A guest preacher, uh, Brother David Hughes, he's son-in-law to our missionary in Argentina, Brother Steve Thornton. And uh, so him and his wife, which would be Brother Steve Thornton's daughter, is here uh, with us. And Brother David Hughes, I asked him to preach. They were missionaries in Argentina for uh, quite some time. How long were you down there, Brother? Uh, 23 years. 23 years. So they were down there a long time, and uh, and I appreciate them. I, I had the opportunity. They were just in the area, and so I thought, hey, let's have them preach. And uh, and I certainly appreciate. Uh, I spent some time with them yesterday, and we just had a uh, a great time speaking with them. So come ahead, brother, and uh, preach for us with the Lord's laid on your heart. All right. Thank you, brother. Well, good morning. Well, I've been down in Argentina for 23 years. But not as a missionary 23 years. I'd be much older than what I am. <laughs> I'm 35. I went down to Argentina when I was 12 years old. Um, and my mom's Argentine, and we went to witness a family down there. And I was visiting my wife's grandparents' church, uh, Brother Jim Strickland and Marie Strickland. And that's where I met her family when they got, arrived in Argentina and started the new work and got involved. And I was there helping my father-in-law for quite a few years. 2011... I was ordained. 2014, we went further down South Argentina to start a church in the mountains, in the Patagonia Mountains. And we thought we'd stay there. We thought we would, you know, live our life there, start a base, and out of San Martin de los Andes, Neuquén, which was our city, uh, start other churches in the area to spread the gospel in that area because there are hardly any independent Baptist churches in the southern part of Argentina. Lord had a different plan than what we thought was going to happen. So here we are. We landed up here back in the States in March this year and landed in South Carolina, which is where I grew up. So that's probably why you might hear some southern accent here and there. Some mother slain might slip too, but that's just how I grew up. Now, how many people here have been overseas? How many of y'all been overseas? How many have visited third world countries? Okay, quite a few. When you go overseas through third world country, you can see how blessed America is, how blessed it really is. Now, I was visiting with a friend before coming up north about two weeks ago, one of my childhood best friends, and he was sharing a few things, giving me a few tips here and there how things have changed. Because when I left, when I was about 12 years old, I had certain memories of how it was in South Carolina. So I tried giving my wife some hints, okay, they're really friendly, really nice, and uh, I gave her a few tips on a few words too, like boot is a trunk, uh, the buggy is the cart, the shopping carts, and a few things like that, just to give her a heads up. Uh, but when I got with my friend, he served as a Marine for eight years in the Middle East, and he told me how he noticed once you're out of the country, you see how blessed America really is. But he also told me, now that the Lord brought us to the States, the last place we actually wanted to come was the States because we were willing to go anywhere, serve the Lord. He wanted us Africa, we'll go there. He wanted us anywhere else, South America, since we're fluent in Spanish, we'll go there. If he wanted us Australia, wherever, we're willing to go wherever. But he brought us to the States. When I was talking to my friend, he said, well, the United States just ain't what it used to be. It may well have been founded on the Bible, but it's no longer a Christian country. He told me, although America is blessed with financially, spiritually, it's pretty much dead. His words. 
Let's go, please go with me to Revelations chapter 3, because I want to start reading out of this passage here. Today I want to talk about three lies of sin. Three lies of sin. Sin, a topic that not many like to teach on. Three lies of sin. Now the interesting about this, here in Revelation, we see seven different letters sent to seven different churches which actually represents seven different times, you know, it's time periods throughout the ages. And we're going to start reading as of verse 14, which is the letter written to the church of the Laodicean church, which represents our time and age. So it says, verse 14 to the end of the chapter, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, The beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. But then, so then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee. To buy of me gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now here's the thing. We, this passage here that we just read represents our time and age. And it's talking about here, verse 17, those that say I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And that's what I've seen since I've been back in the country six months. Even in churches, we've been visiting different churches here and there. And to be honest, we are blessed here in the States. You know, the Lord has blessed us. But the thing is, many Christians have become too comfortable being a Christian. Argentina is a Catholic state. You know, it's a state religion, Catholicism. And many consider themselves a Christian. They'll say that because they were born and baptized as an infant and never again walked into church. But they consider themselves Christians. And here in America, I remember when I was young, Christian was something normal. If someone didn't go to church, that was odd. That was just weird. Argentina's the opposite. It's just weird if you do go to church. We're blessed here, but to be honest, many Christians in America have become lukewarm. In verse 20, many like to use verse 20 as a verse for salvation, that the Lord's knocking at the heart, wanting people to repent and open the door of their heart so that he can come into their lives. But this passage is talking about the church. There's so much sin in the church today 
lukewarm Christians that Christ isn't even inside. He's outside knocking at the church because it's full of sin, waiting for the Christians to wake up, open the door, and say, Jesus, come in. Be with us. We need you. So this is what I'm going to talk about today. The three lies of sin. Please do not think about your husband. Please do not think about your wife, your kids, your parents, your neighbors, the one sitting in front, behind, or beside you. I want you to think about that person inside of you, that person within. Think about your own life, how you are today with the Lord. That's what I want to do. Talk about that. Please go with me to Joshua chapter 7, because this is where we're going to be studying. I want to talk about a man here in chapter 7 that actually fell into the lie of sin. And I want us to learn from that so that we can try to avoid that. We'll see that throughout the Bible, even Eve, Adam and Eve, Satan used the same tactics with, with Eve to have her fall into sin. And Satan has been using these lies that we'll be studying today throughout all the ages, even today. Even scam industries have built their empires on what we'll be seeing today. To get into the story just a little bit, Joshua chapter 6 is where we see the fall of the walls of Jericho, the city of Jericho. We see that Lord led Joshua to go around the city once a day for six days straight. On the seventh day, they were, going, they were supposed to go around the city seven times and then yell you know, as loud as they could, play the trumpets, and the walls of the city fell down and Jericho was conquered. That's what we see. But there's an important thing here. Verse 17 from chapter 6 to 19 says this. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Okay, so the important statement here is uh, the whole city was, was a curse. No one was supposed to take anything from that city. And all the silver, gold, brass, iron was going to be consecrated unto the Lord. So they ended up burning the city. In verse 27, we see that there was a fame. Joshua was known. It says, verse 27, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. They all knew about Joshua and the Israelites, who they were. That was their reputation. And verse 7 pretty much sums what we're going to study now. It says, uh, verse 1, I mean, chapter 7, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. They had went, Achan went against the word of God, all because he fell for this lie of sin. Let's pray before we continue. Father, I thank you to be here. I thank you for this privilege to be here and present your word in front of the church here. I thank you for this church. Years ago, going through cancer, they sent an offering to help us out while we were in Argentina. And I thank you for this church. And thank you for the privilege of being here to speak your word before them. But I pray that you may guide me to preach your word 
as you want me to, Lord. Please work in our hearts. Help us look into our own lives to see what you want us to do. Please convict us if there's anything that we need to change, fix, repent of, that we may do that today to get things right with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the city was accursed. Everything in it, verse 1 shows us here that Achan had sinned because he had taken of the accursed thing. From verses 2 to 5, we see that Joshua sends a few men to go spy on another city, Ai, to see what, they were, what that city was like. They went, spied on the land. They came back and told Joshua, there aren't really that many men over there. We all don't really have to go into battle. Let's just send a few up there, like 2,000, 3,000 men at the most. We can take them on. So Joshua does that. They send about 3,000 men into Ai to take over the city. But because of Achan's sin... Ai turns out chasing the Israelites out of there. And they killed 36 men. And what we see in verse 6, Joshua is basically asking the Lord why. From verse 6 to verse 9, he's basically asking the Lord, why did this happen? Why in the world did this happen? We just took over Jericho. You're our fame. Everybody knows about us. We are the people of God. We're serving you. And now, against Ai, a small city, they're chasing us out of, out of there like we're nothing. Why did you let this happen? He, he didn't understand yet. And as of verse 10, we see that the Lord actually explains the whole situation to Joshua. So let's pick up verse 10 from chapter 7. It says this. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have t even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except ye destroy the accursed from among you. Up! Sanctify the people and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from you. So the Lord points out that there was sin among the people. And that's why they failed against Ai, this small city. Joshua wants to deal with this situation right away. We see in verse 16 that he rose up early in the morning to start dealing with this. And what we see is from verse 16 on, the Lord was very specific to point out who had committed the sin. Verse 16 says, So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes. And the tribe of Judah was taken. The Lord pointed out the tribe of Judah. And he brought the family of Judah. And he took the family of the Tsarites. I might, I might not be pronouncing these names quite right, but that's just me. <laughs> so, verse, the Tsarites, he took the family of the Tsarites, and he brought the family of the Tsarites man by man, and Zabdi was taken, and he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. The Lord was very specific to point out the man that had sinned. 
as Christians, we know when we're going against the word of God. If we're really saved, the Holy Spirit indwells in us and convicts us of sin. So when we're going against the word of God, you and I know when we're doing something we shouldn't. We just, we just know. Verse 19. Joshua said unto Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell me now what thou hast done, and hide it not from me. And verse 20 and 21, we see his confession. And this is where we will get into our three points about the lies of sin. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. Before reading, let me just say this, point this out. When the Lord does convict you of sin, just be honest about it. Be honest about it that you have sinned against God. Don't, don't wait. Verse 21. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Verse 21, we see. First, he saw these things. Understand, that isn't a sin right there. What he see, when he saw those things there, that was just temptation. But it says he coveted them. And that's where sin took place. Temptation isn't a sin. We'll be tempted time after time. But it's how we respond to that. Is that'll be if we sin or not. So this is where sin takes place. And this is the first point I want to point out. The first lie of sin. I need it. I need it. That's the first lie that Satan's going to bring into your life when he's tempting you with something. He's going to try to make you believe that you actually need that. Now, when we think of Achan, what he took, sin will sometimes make us look foolish. Sometimes it'll make us look dumb. Just think about Achan. He grabbed that Babylonish garment. Let's just... Mention some garment that's not normal here. Those Scottish skirts, I know they have a specific name, but I like to say it looks like a skirt that the men use, those red skirts. If I was wearing that today preaching, wouldn't that just be weird? <laughs> that's just, nah, that's, that's just wrong. Even for Scottish men, I mean, that's just wrong. It'd just be weird here. Just think about Aiken. What, six months down the road, would he just put that garment on and walk around people? Hey, where'd you get that from? One sin will just lead to another, and that'll lead to another, because sin just gives birth to another sin. He had to lie time after time what happened. Oh, I, I just bought this a while ago. He had to come up with some kind of story. So he was just foolish in picking that up. I mean, I understand the gold and silver is something he could use, but that garment, why in the world did he pick that up? But that's us. When we sin, we don't really think these things through and we end up falling for these lies. So the first lie is, I actually need it. The second lie we see here, I can hide it. I can hide it. Achan thought he could actually hide his sin. When we think about the story and read through it, Apparently, nobody else knew that what he had done. He hid it in his tent, and nobody knew about it. 
You and I, when we commit sin, we can hide it from people around us. We can even hide it from pastor, try to hide it from his face when he's trying to look into our lives. No, pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. Huh? We, we can do that, try to fool other people. But let me tell you this, God knows. He was the one that pointed out very specifically who was the one that was at fault in this passage. He knew that Achan had committed sin, and all of Israel was, was paying the consequences of his sin. The first lie is that I need it. The second lie is that I can hide it. Achan could have hidden it from everybody else. God knew. Without losing here, Joshua chapter 7. Please go with me to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15. I just want to point out a few verses that go with this point. Proverbs 15. Verse 3. Proverbs 15.3 says this. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Even when we think we can hide it, we can't. He's seeing the evil and the good. Chapter 5. Let's go to chapter 5. Verse 21. Verse 21 says this. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. He knows everything we're doing, good and bad. And my father-in-law made sure to point out his mother's favorite verse in the Bible. She just passed. That's why he's up here in Columbus. And uh, her favorite verse is Numbers 2332, uh, which is, be sure your sins will find you out. We think we can hide it and that nobody will know. And we think when we're all alone at home, nobody's watching, we can hide our sin. When we're all alone at work, boss isn't watching, that ah, doesn't matter. No one's watching, nobody knows. We're all alone at school, we think we can hide that cheat sheet during that exam, nobody knows. But God does. He knows. We can't hide anything from him. The third lie of sin it's worth it. It's worth it. So the first lie is, I need it. The second lie, I can hide it. And the third lie, it's worth it. Achan actually thought that it was worth it to sin against God. God had given them specific instructions to not take of the accursed thing, not take anything. The gold, the silver, the brass, the iron would be consecrated unto the Lord, but the rest should be burnt. That's what they did. They burnt the city down. But Achan thought the rewards would actually be more fulfilling than the punishment. He actually thought it'd be okay in this instance to go against God's word. But let me tell you this, it's never worth it to sin. It's never worth it to go against the word of God. That's what we see here. Look at verse 22. From verse 22 to the end of this chapter, it says, Joshua 7. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran unto the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with them took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor, 
And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day, and all Israel stoned him with stones, and burned them with fire, after they stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. Now, if we were able to go somehow bring Achan here, right here beside me this morning, and ask him, was it worth it? He'd probably tell us about the 36 men who died because of his sin. He'd probably tell us of the guilt he carried because he knew he was the one that had committed that sin. He knew he wasn't supposed to, and he took it and hid it under his tent. He'd probably tell us about his whole family and everything he earned, how they got stoned and then burned. He probably tells about it. There's always a price to pay when we sin. There's always a price to pay. Now, one last thing I really want to point out, because I don't want to end the message like that, like <laughs> you know, on that bad note. Something important there, the Valley of Achor. This Valley of Achor represented one of Israel's worst times in history because Achan had gone against the word of God. This is where it's called the Valley of Achor. So when people thought of the valley, they knew what it represented. The time of judgment of God judging all of Israel because of the sin of this one man. It was a place of death where they had stoned and burned everything he had owned. That's what this represented. The Valley of Achor is mentioned in the Bible five times, two of which are mentioned right here, verse 26 and... Verse 24, at the end, Valley of Achor. Verse 26, the Valley of Achor. But I want to show you one verse in Hosea chapter 2. Let's go to Hosea chapter 2. You'll see Lamentation, Ezekiel, Daniel. After the book of Daniel, Hosea. Hosea chapter 2. I just want to point out this one verse. Verse 15. In Hosea 2, we see the Lord trying, that he wants to restore Israel. And in verse 15, it says, Hosea 2, 15. And I will give her her vineyards from thence, and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there, as in the days of her youth, and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. He mentions right there, at the valley of Achor. That's where he will put the door of hope. Let me just say this. Sometimes, even as Christians, we end up living sinful lives, thinking nobody knows what I'm doing. Nobody actually knows it. I can come to church, sit in the pew, and just go home like nothing's wrong. And, but we, we know, and the Lord knows. We can't hide it from him. But sometimes we even fall into this thinking that, there's no way out. I, I'm just lost in all this, this whole life. Uh, I can't change. There's no hope for me. This place, the Valley of Acor, which was known as the place of judgment, a place of death, this, what this verse is saying, remember that place, the Valley of Acor, and what it represents? That's where I'm going to put a door of hope. Why? Because he loves you that much. God does not want you to live a sinful life because he knows there are great consequences. He does not want you to die in your sins because he knows heaven is real, hell is hot, 
And we have to decide if we want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ or not. He knows that hell is a real place for those who die without the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. That's why he sent Jesus to die for you in your place so you wouldn't have to pay the price for your own sins. But the decision is yours. You have to t make that choice to accept Jesus as your personal Savior or not. What God wants is for you and I to repent of our sins because sin is a serious thing for God. We see time after time there's a price to pay, a high price to pay. It's something very serious, so serious that he was willing to give his only son to take your place because he loves you that much. He cares for you that much. Maybe someone here says, David, I've been living a sinful life and I don't know how to change. I don't know how to change that. Look what Romans says. Last verse we'll read. Romans 10. Romans chapter 10. Let's just read verse 9 to 11. Here's what the Bible says. Romans 10, verse 9 to 11. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's no doubt thou shalt be saved. It's a sure thing. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto, unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. God wants to give you the opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, to receive salvation today. But now maybe there's a Christian here who's been trying to hide sin. If that's your case, if the Lord has touched your heart and convicted you of something you've been trying to hide, just repent. Just get things right with the Lord. He knows there's consequences. Achan, his whole family paid the price. Even Israel was paying the price for his sin. And we'll drag our family through mud and dirt if we're committed sin. We're committing this sin. So just be honest about it and think about your own life. Is there something that you need to repent of and just ask the Lord to forgive you of that? We often fall into these lies. I need it. I can hide it. And it's worth it. But sin is never worth it. There's always a price to pay. But the Lord always gives us that door of hope. Even when we think there's no hope, he has that door of hope just because he loves you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to just present your word this morning. But I pray that if there's someone among us that just isn't saved, doesn't know what it means to be a son or daughter of, of God, I pray that you may convict them of their sin and Show them that this is a decision that they need to make. Decide to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But I also pray, Lord, if there's a Christian here that recognizes that they have had sin in their life, maybe for some time, please work in their hearts so that they may turn from that sin. Repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry, but it's a turning away from that to follow you. So, Lord, please work in our lives and show us what you want us to do. And we pray that you may work in each and every one of us during this invitation so that we may respond accordingly to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed, as we stand our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed, the piano plays. If God spoke into your heart this morning, 
hide it. God already knows it, to be honest with you. Take a moment, pray and ask God to forgive you. The altar's open. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never been saved, you've never been born again. The altar's open. You can be saved this morning. Put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't understand or you need help. Let us know. We'd be more than happy to help pray with you, show you from the Word of God how you can be saved, how you can be born again. Christian, the message was clear.